Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 236 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, I should say, because he's been on the show many weeks in a row now, by the undefeated heavyweight slash cruiserweight prospect, my co-host these days, Mr. Hassim Rackman Jr. Hassim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joey. Thank you, Joey. Uh, big ups, man. I love being on the show. I love uh, talking boxing, and uh, I miss boxing, so... Let's give the fans what they want. Absolutely. And um, we're going to start by, you know, by doing something we were supposed to do on last week's show but forgot to do, that being giving our, our, our kind of ratings from, um, you know, from the divisions. Obviously, we started two weeks ago now from heavyweight right down to 154, super welterweight. And we stopped just before we got to the welterweight division, so we're going to carry that on. Like I say, I apologize that we didn't do it on last week's show. We're going to get through that, and then there's going to be the one interview, the sole guest on this week's show. It's going to be the former world champion, uh, Mr. Bones Adams, obviously a a um, super bantamweight world champion. So um, that'll be interesting, believe me. And um, yeah, let's let's just crack on straight away with these these uh, these these ratings kind of thing. Obviously, we're just going to mention our best fighter in our own opinion throughout the weights from one four seven down um, down as far as we can go. So one four seven has him for me, Terence Bud Crawford. Um, yeah, that's my guy. I, I love Terence Bud Crawford. That's my guy too. I've, I've been watching him for a long time. He uh he used to actually train when he first started his career. I've seen him training. He used to train with uh, Kenny Adams, and um Kenny Adams is a trainer of mine. And uh, I got a lot of love for Terrence Bud Crawford, but but my my favorite and my who I think is the best welterweight is would be Earl Spence Jr. And obviously, we all want to see that fight between the pair. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've said this before. I don't want to sound like like an Errol Spence detractor in any way, but um, you know the, the opponents that he's boxed, I, I I just struggle to pick out a real one four seven type of guy. Obviously, Sean Porter was fair enough; that was a close fight. He definitely did enough to win, but it was a close fight. Mikey Garcia, a guy, a much smaller guy coming up. Um, Lamont Peterson, the same. Um, you know, uh, Chris Algieri. These are some of his best wins. You know, his best wins have come against guys that were coming up in weight one or two weight classes as well. And obviously, Errol Spence. He's absolutely massive for one four seven. Um, the Kelbrook, the Kelbrook win is a solid win. I'm not taking that away from him. It was a tremendous fight. It was a very close fight up until the stoppage in the eleventh round. But um, you know, there's there's backstories to that where obviously Kel was coming off that loss at middleweight, which was just a crazy career move against Golovkin. He was coming off that loss. He crashed the weight, and um, like I say, it was highly competitive up until the stoppage. Um, I just, I don't know what it is, man. I, I don't know what it is. I'm, there's just something there that 
that um that that stops me from saying he's the best the best welterweight in the world. I mean, Terence Crawford, what he did obviously at 140 was tremendous and that is 140, but just based off of that and you know the skill set he possesses, I think he is a very hard man to beat. Um, so is Errol Spence, by the way. Um, obviously, like I say, it's the fight we all want to see. And a big shout-out to Keith Furman, um, a, a guy I've been a fan of for a long, long time. I still think he's probably got the best two wins at welterweight at the minute. Um, you know, those two wins over Danny Garcia and Sean Porter back-to-back. Brilliant, brilliant wins. And... Um, you know, he come, he's coming off that loss to Manny Pacquiao. No shame in that. Um, he started very slow, didn't he? And he got dropped in the first round, Furman. But as the fight went on, he showed his class. And, you know, I want to see him in, in, in the mix with these guys as well. I don't think anyone has an easy night with Keith Furman, in my opinion. Um, if you want to add anything to that, Hassim, you're more than welcome to before we move down to 140. Um, I just think that, you know, Terrence Crawford's wins, they came against smaller guys too. Yeah. Um. Me- even though they weren't, they they were at 140. They're still smaller guys, and um, I just, I just, I just think that Earl doesn't get enough credit. He's he's fighting the people in his weight class. He's um he's dominating them. Um, aside from the the Sean Porter fight, he pretty much has been dominant throughout his entire career. I mean, the, the Kel Brook fight was 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 competitive, but he, he stopped him, which is which is to end the fight in dominating fashion. Um, I believe that you know he wouldn't get credit as far as size wise unless he beat a you got your Dennis Ugas or like a, 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 a maybe a Pacquiao, maybe a Keith Thurman. But um, as far as 147 goes, he's the bully. He's the big dog. He's the big, and that's not his fault. Um, it, it, when you take when you take into uh, consideration that these guys have a set weight class, they have a set and agreed on uh, contract weight to make. Um, it's, it's, it's no excuses. This guy was too big, this guy was too small, because at the end of the day, um, if those guys would have beat him, then it, 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 it would have been, been a celebration. So I, I just feel like Earl um, can't be beat at 147 or 154. I don't think, I don't think anybody could beat him at any of those weight classes. His toughest fight to me would be a, a move up to 160 to fight Canelo. That would be something that I would love to see. And um, Earl putting on more power, um, probably better conditioning at 160. Uh, I think that um, I think that he's a he's, he's a force to be reckoned with in boxing. That's just my opinion. I'm gonna really throw a hard question your way now that you've mentioned about that. You 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 mentioned him possibly stepping up to 160. Let's just say in some crazy world, Demetrius Andrade decided to go back down to 54, and and Spence went up. Who wins? Why are you asking me this? Yeah. Why are you asking me this? <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. If Earl Spence and Demetrius Andrade fought. Uh, I, I, I'm picking, oh my goodness, man. That's, that's tough. That's a tough fight to pick because, um, you know, I, I, right now I think that Demetrius Andrade is, is pound for pound the best. And, um, I think that if they fought today, I think Andrade will win. But if they fought two years, three years from now, I, I think I would give it to Earl. Um, I don't want to see that fight. I don't think it's a it's a fight that would be uh, that would be uh, uh, 
appreciated by the casual boxing fans. So it's not a big fight that's going to draw big numbers, huge numbers. That's not a fight I want to see. Stylistically, it's a great matchup. It's a it's a it's a boxer and a boxer puncher, and um, I, I, sheesh, that fight would be that fight is is like a, a, a one of those fights where it's like okay, we know both of these guys are good, but what's gonna happen when that bell rings? Uh, oh my goodness, I couldn't imagine the 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 chess match between two extremely extremely high class fighters. And um, these are two guys that I think are going to retire undefeated. So I, I, I hope they don't meet each other. And, and, and they're both good, real close friends of mine. And um, like I said, I think right now, in, in this moment, I think Andrade will have the edge. But um, I think probably a year, two years from now, well, I, would, I would give him probably two years, two or three years from now, I think Earl will be able to get him. But um, it, that is, a, that is a, a, a classic, an instant classic to me. Being being a pure boxing fan, I've been a boxing fan my whole life. That's a pure classic matchup, and um, yeah, that would be something that I wouldn't be too happy to see, but I definitely would be tuned in for sure. And um, yeah, just touching on Terence Crawford's win since moving up, he's only had the four fights at welterweight. Obviously, the first one being against Jeff Horn. Um, Jeff Horn in the skill department, you know, he's not he's not even worthy of being in in the same sentence really of. Of, um, of 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 Terence Bud Crawford and Crawford stopped him, which I didn't think he'd do, especially because it was his first fight at welterweight as well. Um, that was a good win over Jeff Horn when he stopped him there in the ninth. Then obviously he boxed the um, the relatively untested, but you know he's, he was making a lot of noise. Jose Benavidez Jr., the younger brother of of um, no, he's not the younger brother; he's the older brother of um, of um, David Benavidez. Um, David. Yeah, so he stopped him in the twelfth round. Then obviously he stopped Amir Khan in that weird one where Amir Khan was claiming a low blow. Um, he stopped him in six rounds, and then obviously his last fight against Igis Kavalowskis, who was a very good fighter, by the way. And um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't easy work for Crawford, but he managed to get him out there in the ninth. Um, by the way, a little fact that that some people don't know, and I probably shouldn't even be saying this, but when Amir Khan and Terence Crawford boxed, they had a press conference in London when they announced the fight, and um, yeah, that was at a venue that I recommended at the exact time that I recommended when I was asked by the person who was trying to set it all up. So there's a little fact that you don't know. I was basically the guy that pulled the strings. Okay. <laughs> but um, anyway. Okay, that's what's up. That's what's well, up. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think that the person would appreciate me, me saying that, but it is what it is. Um, anyway, 140, let's go down there. Um, for me, you know, for me, I know we're going to disagree here, Hassim, but... Um, Josh Taylor is the, is the man at the weight for me. Obviously, a very very big um, southpaw. He can punch, brilliant body puncher, great feet. You know, solid amateur career and the rest of it. Um, obviously, beat Regis Progre, who I'm not going to lie, I thought Regis Progre was going to win that fight. Um, but yeah, he beat Regis Progre for me quite fa- quite fairly, even though it was a one of the best fights of 2019. Um, then obviously you've got Jose Ramirez, who I think you're you're going to pick, but Progre for me would would beat Ramirez, and Ramirez has got a tough fight against Victor Postal when all this COVID 19 stuff comes to an end. But yeah, for me, Josh Taylor. You know what? I think that I'm going to agree with you. And um, originally I, I had a, a Ramirez pick. But I've been watching some tape. I've been watching um, 
I've been watching uh, uh, some some recent fights, and I think that you know once Ramirez gets past Posta, uh, I, I'll put him at number one. But I know I'm gonna get a lot of uh, heat if I don't have nobody from the UK in my in, in my top. So I'm gonna go ahead and give it to Josh Taylor. He earned it. He's the man at the weight right now. He uh he 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 really dug down deep to get that win against Progress, so he earned the the right to be the top dog. I'm I'm gonna agree with you on that one. I'm gonna stick with Taylor. Yeah, I remember when Michael was over here, Michael Hunter, obviously when he was over here, um, you know, training in that McGuigan's gym when he was in the build up to to fight uh, Martin Bacoli. That was the same gym at the time where Josh Taylor was training, and while while Mike was in the gym. Um, I think it was the night before or something like that. I was with him the next day, and I said, "Hey, this guy here, Josh Taylor, his name is. He he's he's the future at 140, man." And he said to me, "Oh, I wasn't sure he was even at 140. I saw him sparring a middleweight yesterday, and he was whooping the middleweight all over the ring. So, uh, yeah, it goes to show. Yeah, man, he is he is something yeah. special. But anyway, going down to lightweight 135, such a hot division at the minute. Um, obviously, there's a few guys that have kind of just stepped up to Easy the pick. Easy pick. All right. Easy pick. All right, all right. I'll come to you in a sec. Easy pick. <laughs> I'll come to you in a sec. Um, Easy pick. <laughs> um, oh, you've thrown me off track now. Yeah, there's a few guys that have stepped up to the weight recently. <laughs> like um, like like Lee Selby. For me, hasn't hasn't really, um, you know, he's, he's had, I think, two fights there. Um, Ricky Burns, obviously, he, he just beat him. But, yeah, he hasn't really been there long enough for me to consider him one of the top dogs just yet. So he's out of the runnings for me as much as I, I'm i a big fan of his. Um, obviously, you've got Javonte Davis, another guy that's only recently moved up. He's only had that one fight against Yuriokis Gamboa. Um, even though he was able to get him out there in the 12th round, it was very much a, a difficult fight for him, despite Gamboa um, breaking his... his his uh his shoes and his and his foot <laughs> at some point in the in the early rounds um but for me for me Hasim I agree with you it is an easy pick and it's Vasily Lomachenko <laughs> <laughs> easy pick for you right <laughs> listen let me tell you something Vasily Lomachenko gets in the ring with Devin the dream Haney he's going to leave the ring with two defeats and um, I think Devin Haney is the best thing to happen to boxing since, like, uh, I don't even know, maybe a Sugar Ray Lennon, maybe a, a, a Sweet Pea Whitaker, even even almost, even almost. We're going to see what happens when he steps up at high-level competition and fighting world champions. But we'll see if he has the, what it takes to be on a Floyd Mayweather level. And um, I, I just believe that this kid is special. He eats, sleeps, breathes, walks, talks, shits pitches he does everything boxing he is the future of the sport and i know that he's had some um some controversial media coverage lately but um i don't think that that's gonna bear any 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 harm to him in the long run because his talent is undeniable he is a a, a machine he is he's the best right now i feel like he's 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 the best at the weight class and the weight class below him I don't think that kid can be beat. Um, he's another fighter, like I said, Andrade Spence. He's another fighter that I, I believe will retire undefeated. And um, yeah, I just think um, I think Lomachenko is very special. 
he's a very special fighter. But I don't think he is as special as Devin Haney. I don't think that um that Devin Haney would lose to him. I mean, as simple as I could put it, I don't think Lemonchenko can beat Devin Haney. And um, if this was two years ago, I would pick Dev- Lemonchenko. But it's not. It's now, and I think from this time and going forward, I think Devin Haney has 135 on lock. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 got to be said that Vasily Lomachenko has obviously given away advantages fighting at one three five. It's not his his um, his best weight to be at. Obviously, you know, he's been there for. Um, for, for four fights now, obviously against Linares when he was down in that fight, against Pedraza, which was for me a, an excellent chess match and a very, very, um, a, a very tough fight. It was very close in my in my eyes, anyway, not on the scorecards when you look back. Um, and then yeah, when he um, when he when he got in there with Crawler, he wasn't really um, in any trouble there. Crawler was was easy easy pickings for him there, to be honest. And then against Luke Campbell, it was a tactical affair, even though he was just a bit better in pretty much every department. Lomachenko, but yeah, um, Devin Haney's absolutely huge for lightweight, so that 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 would be a big factor I feel in the fight. And um, you know, and not to mention not to mention Devin Haney isn't finished growing. Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, Devin Haney hasn't finished growing, but um, yeah, I just think obviously what Lomachenko's done at other weights and you know how good he is and stuff like that. I- I've just got to label him as the man. Obviously, I've said it before. You know, Devin Haney's been on this show a couple of times, and um, he he is the goods. You know, he's um, you know, he's like I say, the way he's moved in his career with his own promotional stable and stuff like that. I like what he's done. Um, but the opponents just haven't been quite up there, really. Um, and and some of his some of his performances, even though he's barely lost a round, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like he's carried guys when he he probably could have stepped on the gas and got them out of there. Not that that's a disrespect to him, but um, you know, I don't know, man. I want to see him step it up. It's as simple as that. I just want to see the bigger fights for him. And obviously, we have to mention Tiafimo Lopez. Um, you know, in his last fight, absolutely obliterated Richard Comey. I couldn't see that coming if you asked me a hundred times about what I thought of the fight because Richard Comey's a tough, tough Ghanaian and he can crack himself. And to see him, you know, get get banged out in two rounds was just super impressive from Tiafimo Lopez. And obviously, you've got to give a shout to... Um, to Ryan Garcia, you know, some people don't like him. Some people hate the fact that he's he gets all the women and he's got about two million Instagram followers. But this guy's a a problem as well, you know. In, incredibly um, quick hands, and um, you know he can punch as well. I think him and Devin had six fights in the amateurs. I think they're free apiece. So we want to see that fight um, get made in you know in the near future. Um, there's talk of it, and also Tiafimo Lopez has been. Um, tweeting uh, Devin Haney with some with some comments I think the other week as well so we want to see these fights get made and um, I'd love to see those three guys get in some kind of freeway type of fight you know um, those, way, those three the guys way, are the future the way that uh, Garcia dismantled Fonseca after that uh, Javante Davis actually had a a, a a go with him it was like it wasn't it wasn't wasn't an easy fight for, for Javante Davis and um, Ryan Garcia came out and sparked him ASAP. First time he hit him, boom, it's over. And uh, I think that speaks volumes for for Mr. Garcia. He is definitely a threat, but um, 
like I said before, and, and this is no disrespect to anybody at 135 or fighting at 135, but I just think that Devin is the fighter to stay away from. I think that he's the, um, he, he's going to wind up unifying the division, maybe even being undisputed if he gets the right fight. Um, Devin, Devin Haney is the future at 135 until he decides he wants to move up. I know his dad has talked about him moving up. I haven't heard him say it, but I know his dad is talking about him moving up to 140. So that's something I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to as well because now, like I said before, it's looking like he's, he's, he's going ahead and taking the path of a Floyd Mayweather. And if he can do that, if he can dominate and Devin Haney can grow into a full-fledged welterweight and dominate these divisions, dominate these fights, win these fights, continue to be on the winning team, winning side, then um, I, I, I believe he'll go down as a Hall of Fame fighter. And he, he absolutely deserves it because he, he sacrificed his entire life for it. And, and as you mentioned, he's been involved in a bit of controversy lately. Um, I'm just going to touch on that. I don't really want to go too deep on it um, because, you know, he's kind of retracted, I suppose, what he said and he's apologized and stuff like that. But, yeah, it was silly, really, because um, he's a guy that I'd compare to Anthony Joshua in terms of being a top fighter and never saying a bad thing, never saying anything controversial, and basically being a bit of a brand in himself as well as a top athlete. So I, I, I see their careers. You know, they're both... they're both Devin's obviously a, a future superstar. I believe that. So do you. Um, Anthony Joshua's a current superstar. And, you know, they've both been kind of carefully guided uh, in terms of what they say. It's It's been very sensible. And then, obviously, Joshua had the whole thing with Eddie Chambers where he sent that silly thing about race. And now um, Devin Haney said something he shouldn't have said. So it's, 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 it's a bit of a shame, really, on his part. But Was that real? Was that what Vinny what, what, what Joshua said? Was that real? That was really him? Yeah. I mean, obviously... Who knows if oh. who knows if it was really him who sent the message, but it came from his account for sure. Like um, Eddie's still got the messages yeah. now. Like I've I've actually took his phone and gone on Instagram and it's there. You know. Oh wow, that's crazy. He hasn't even bothered to unsend the messages, I read which three. is weird. I, yeah, I know because you can unsend them on Instagram. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 when I seen that, I have to go back and look at that because when I seen it. I was like, nah, that ain't. He wouldn't say nothing like that. It was like really, really off the charts. It was like, and then it was like he was being racist towards his own kind. So it was really weird. I didn't know what was going, what was going on with that. Yeah, I mean, it seemed to all just kind of get swept under the rug and. Um, unlike Devin Haney, I've got to give him a little bit of credit because he came out pretty much straight away. I think it was like a day after, and um, he addressed the situation, you know, and um, I, I admire him for doing that. I just wish the whole thing didn't happen. But moving on, forget all that stuff. Moving on, let's go down to Super Featherweight now, 130 over here. Um, like I say, Jamel Herring was on last week's show, one of my very favorite guys in boxing. No one can say a bad word, word about him. I love him to pieces, but I've got to give it to Miguel Bashelt, man. I have to. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with JoJo, just because I believe JoJo will win a fight. JoJo Diaz, obviously, um, he proved a lot to me in his in his last fight against uh, Tevin Farmer, man. He he really, I, I, a lot of people thought Tevin Farmer was going to walk away with another win on that one. And JoJo was no, no sir, no sir, Bob. He learned from his loss. He picked back up. I think he's the, he's the man at the at, at one thirty right now. Not to not to take anything away from Jamel because I I think Jamel can beat anybody, and that that that's coming from watching this man fight for years years. And I I don't think there's a fight you can put Jamel Herring in that he can't win. 
Yeah, I've definitely um, definitely got him beating Carl Frampton when that eventually happens, by the way. But, um, yeah, the way Joseph Jojo Diaz beat Tevin Farmer was very, very impressive. Um, Jojo Diaz obviously sustained that horrific cut, I think, in the first or second round. He's corner man. I said it on last week's show when I was speaking with, with Jamel. That corner man must have put a spell on that cut or something because I've never seen the cut just completely <laughs> not be a problem that quick. I mean, he is up there with... I mean, that was corner man moment of probably the, the the last five years or so. I'm trying to wonder, if I was a boxer myself, who would I want in my corner? Either that guy or Billy Nelson. I'm not sure. It's tough. Billy Nelson? <laughs> Billy Nelson? Don't get me started on Billy Nelson. Please don't get me started on Billy Nelson. Please. Oh, gosh. We'll leave Billy Nelson alone. Let's go down to <laughs> let's go down to February. <laughs> 126 um again I know you're 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 I know who you're going to say but um you know the person you're going to say is definitely definitely without doubt I think one of the most exciting fighters in world boxing by the way I know you're going to say Shakur Stevenson so that's what I'm talking about one of the most excited in, in exciting fighters in the world of boxing but Obviously, hasn't really got the the names on the resume just yet, and that's no that's I'm not disrespecting him in any way because the way he's moved on to a world title in in um you know he's he's 13 and 0 and, and he's a world champion. He has been fast tracked, and he has wanted to be fast tracked even quicker than this. He's a bit annoyed that it took this long to get a belt. Um, he's he's crazy in some ways, but we love him for that. He's he's his his boxing in the ring is unbelievable, but. Just purely because he hasn't yet got the names on the resume, for me, it's Gary Antoine. Uh, sorry, Gary Antoine. Gary Russell Jr. That's fair. That's a fair. That's a fair pick. And um, it's really uh, uh, it's a sensible pick. Gary's been to the top. He's been in world championship fights. He's fought Lomachenko. He's fought uh, so many top level fighters. It, it would make sense to put him at the top. But um, these are our personal who we think is the best at each weight class. And I think that Shakur Stevenson is hands down the best fighter to come into boxing since 2016, and uh, I think that he just he just man that kid is amazing. It, it, it's it wouldn't make sense for me to stand here and 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 and, and you know basically just praise all his attributes because I've gone down there's videos on YouTube for of me I think it was like his fourth or fifth fight. I sat down and interviewed Shakur because I knew he was going to be that special. And um, I remember one one of the questions that I asked him in our interview was, how is it going to feel when you become world champion and, and everything that you and your grandfather and your father, your parents, all your brothers and sisters have all known you're capable of for your entire life? How is it going to feel when you, when you make that happen? And um. I can't wait to, to see him again. We'll do another we'll do another interview, I'm sure. And um you'll be able to tell me how that felt. But I, it just that just goes to show that I've seen it in this kid. I've I've, I've seen the talent, I've seen the drive, I've seen uh the, 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 the commitment that this that this kid has to the to the science. And uh it's it's not like anything you see nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I spoke to Shakur after he won the belt, and um, he he pretty much. I'm going to tell you what he said to to basically answer the question. He said that 
when he first won the belt, it was like he was he was very excited. But now he said, "I just I don't really think of it much. Like it doesn't really mean much to me." It's like he actually said, "It's like a new pair of sneakers." That's what he said about the belt. So uh, he's 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 got his eye on um, on on becoming undisputed. I think so. Uh, that's that's his goal, I believe. Yeah. Um, or or perhaps moving up and becoming a multi weight world champion. I can't remember. It was one of those two. Anyway. Um, he's certainly a guy that I think is just really the future of, of the sport. He's just unbelievable to watch. Um, Gary Russell, I should say as well, you know, obviously that one loss that, that came to Lomachenko, people forget was a majority decision loss. You know, he, he was able to, to, to do well in that fight despite losing it. I think he's right up there. Super, super skillful, but I don't think he's going to be hanging around at 126 for too long. He's told me a few times that he will be moving up and, um, he said, I think in the last couple of weeks, he's going to, he's going to skip one, um, one one thirty, and he's going to move right from one twenty six to one thirty five. He's putting the likes of Devin Haney on notice. He's been saying so. Uh, yeah, that'll be uh, quite crazy if we get to see him up there. I think it's a bit too much to jump two weight classes. He's not the not the tallest guy. Um, going down to super bantamweight again. I I'm quite high on this guy. Um, he's twenty five years of age, so he's not really like you know super duper super duper. Um, young in terms of like last year we were we were you know at the end of the year we did like a young fighter of the year. I, I can't remember if he got in my top three young fighters or not because some of the best young fighters are the likes of um, Tiafimo Lopez and stuff like that for for 2019. But Emmanuel Navarrete for me very very active as a champion. Um, you know the way he beat Isaac Dogbe in both of those fights was tremendous. And for me, he is the number one fighter at that weight. But a shout out to um, the likes of Brandon Figueroa, who um, is on the come up as well. He holds a belt as well. And Murajon Akmadaliev as well, who beat Daniel Roman in, in a brilliant fight as well. I think they're trying to get the rematch on, but he's a tremendous fighter. He's only 8-0. Who? Who? Yeah, that's tough. I, I, I'm, I will have to uh, agree with you with the... Uh, with, um... Never ready. Uh, uh, Emmanuel never ready. I think that he, yeah, never ready. I think that he's, a, he's he he definitely uh, secured his position at that weight. And um, but to be such a little guy with, with such a high knockout uh, uh, percentage speaks in, in and of itself. So um, I think he's 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 the most dangerous fighter, and he he is the best right now at that weight. And down to bantamweight now. Um, a little shout out to a couple of guys who are just kind of two and three, the likes of Lewis Neary. Um, I'd like to see him box Nordinu Bali as well. Both those guys undefeated world champions, but head and shoulders above them. The monster, even though in his last fight it was probably the best fight I've seen for about five years between him and Nonito Donaire, where he showed he is, he is in <laughs> fact human. Yeah. Naoya Inoue, no dispute in that from you, Hassim. No, yeah, and you and you definitely got 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 that one unlocked. I mean, what a brilliant performance against Nonito Donaire and Nonito Donaire, who was also trained by Ken, Kenny Adams. And um, uh, man, uh, he deserves all the credit. He he deserves all the credit. He put on a pound for pound worthy uh, performance against a veteran who's still not in his prime, but still still definitely got a lot of go in him. And um. Uh, he he he's top dog right there at that weight. I don't think anybody wants to wants to mess with that man right there. Not at that weight. Yeah, 
and um, yeah, going down to Superfly, I'm just gonna, I think, because uh, this is where I'm not gonna lie, I uh, my, my my knowledge kind of gets a bit a bit um, cloudy when I go down to these weights because I'm not one of those guys that likes to watch these cards in Japan at like 3 p.m. and weird stuff like that. <laughs> so um, you've got to give it. To... Yeah, I, I'm not too familiar with the with the, with the tiny guys either. Not, not, I know the little guys, but the tiny guys. Uh, uh, I know uh, Encyclopedia. I know. Uh, 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 yeah, I think. Um, the, the, I mean, Chakotito is probably the lowest, the lowest that, that I would know yeah. at at that at that weight class. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Chocolatito is one of the top guys, um, you know. But some people would 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 now say he's probably past it, despite picking up a world title against our very own Kaliafai last time out. Obviously, Kaliafai was a guy who um, was the longest reigning world champion out of the current champions at the time here in Britain. So it was sad to see him lose his belt that he had since 2016. But um, yeah, obviously, since Gonzalez got knocked out um, in two back-to-back fights with. Um, with with Saxil Wangek, also known as Rung Versai, um, you'd probably have to say he's the number one dog. Um, I'm just going to quickly look at Flyaway. Yeah, there's a guy, a Japanese guy there called Kosi Tanaka, who's definitely um, definitely not to be overlooked. 15 and 0 with nine knockouts, and of course Julio Cesar Martinez, 16 and one, very good fighter as well. Both of those guys, probably the top one and two. Um, that's probably it, really. I don't think I'm going to go down to light fly and the rest of that. But, um, yeah, that, that really wraps up pretty much everything here. We've done all the talking for you. We've gone through the weights from welterweight downwards. I hope it's been something you've been interested in. Next week, we're going to discuss the, the other boxing topics, which, by the way, will be... I'll just do a little spoiler now. The topics for next week will be... Um, should fighters who are... Who tested positive for PEDs be allowed in the Hall of Fame? And should own should uh, the only way you fight for a title be that you've beaten a, a top five ranked contender? So they will be our topics for next week. Um, yeah, just before all the talking is done, it's now time to depart ways with Hasim Rekman Jr. Hasim, thanks once again for coming on this week's show. If you've got any closing words before I bring in our first guest, now is the time to take it away. Thank you. I just want to uh, thank everybody for tuning in, listening to the show, supporting the Box Out Podcast. I want to thank, uh, want to thank my team, Team Rockman. I want to thank uh, my sports marketing team, BDEF, the best in the world. And um, I want to thank anybody who's showing any type of support with the follow, with the comment, with the tweet, anything, any type of support. You never know how, how far that could carry a fighter. So uh, I just want to thank everybody and also want to thank Bones for coming on to the show. Um, There's been a huge, huge, huge help in my career, my dad's career, Michael's career, uh, hundreds of fighters in in, in the Las Vegas area. He's helped get to the next level or even even just even if he would just help them by opening up their gym for them to hit the bag for a round. Uh, We appreciate you, Bones. We thank you for coming on the show. It's great to have you. And, um, like I said, thank everybody for the support. Please stay safe in the in the midst of this COVID nineteen. Don't touch your face. Wash your hands. Stay away from people. Practice social distancing. And God bless to everybody. God bless to everyone. Well said, Hasim Junior. Just before we wrap up, all the talking is is the last thing to do, and that of course is to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast.
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA Super Bantamweight World Champion. It is, of course, Mr. Bones Adams. Bones, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, my friend. It's my pleasure. So, a typical opening question, really, for you, Bones. What's your earliest memory of first putting on a pair of gloves? Um, I was five years old. I remember putting on a pair of gloves and going out and beating up a duffel bag full of sand. And um, and then, I, yeah, I remember my first fight, actually. So, Excellent. And um, tell me about... You know, obviously, you first put on this pair of gloves. You hit this duffel bag full of sand, which is which is excellent. Um, where did it? Right. Where did that kind of take you? Obviously, you boxed as an amateur for a while. Um, yeah, what was the journey from, like I say, hitting a bag of uh, a bag full of sand up until actually fighting for the first time? <laughs> you, you know what? I don't. Well, I just remember. Yeah, it was sawdust. I'm sorry, it was sawdust. And, I mean, so it was it wasn't hard, but a mixture of both. You know, but. Um, I just I just remember the fight because of the pictures and stuff so I bring you back and I remember the fight. I remember hitting the bag and stuff under under the garage and um and then I just did something I used to watch it all the time, see where remember Hagler, Hearns, all those guys and I just used to watch them and I kinda of taught myself on what to do, you know, I liked that style and what they were doing, you know. So I try to mimic what they were doing. And April we're in April now, obviously. This is a big month for yourself. You turned professional 30 years ago this month. Um, oh, shit, I didn't realize that. Holy there crap. you go, there you go. I'm all about the facts. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yes, do you yes. remember having any nerves before your first pro fight? No, no, no. no I didn't believe me, no, not at all. But, but oddly enough, it, it, it's so funny you should say this because um, April 1st is when I became basically a professional trainer three years ago. So, oddly enough, I turned pro in April and I became a professional trainer in April. Very weird. That's excellent. I mean, April for me is the best month. It's, it's my birthday month. So, uh, there's another one. <laughs> oh, happy birthday, brother. Happy <laughs> birthday. Thank you. <laughs> so, so, early on in your career, Bones, you, you boxed in a whole host of states on the way up, you know, um, sure. from, from your debut up until... Around about your twenty-third fight, you boxed in Tennessee, Missouri, Michigan, Louisiana, um, South Carolina, Nevada. Was it good traveling around and gaining experience boxing all different types of guys from completely different places? Oh, definitely. You know, I, I like going like even like um, Mississippi or so. I was down there, and you know, I'm fighting a hometown guy. The next thing you know, they're cheering for me, and that was that was that was, that was something I wanted to do. I, I love turning crowds and. Making them, making them fans of mine, you know, taking away from people. I love that. I love traveling. I love, love going to other people's hometowns. I love to see other people's countries. I mean, Italy. I mean, I mean just you, you name it. And I, I, I just love the different cultures, different, just, just everything. I love, I love that. And as I say, you turned professional in April 1990. From April that year to December, um, only eight months, obviously, but you boxed nine times. And then in the year 1991, you boxed 12 times. So you were very active in your first couple of years as a professional. Then April 1992, almost, again, April again, almost two years to the day since turning pro, you box Javier Diaz. Um, you go 12 rounds for the first time. What do you remember about that fight? Um, I remember it was where I was living at the time, Carmel, Illinois. Um, we had rented a gym and was on that Lava Master Square Garden Network. And I was signed to them, and it was for the WBC title. Um, and I just, I just remember, you know, 
I, I come out and at that point in time, I had a lot of hair and I had hair on top of my head, just standing straight up. And I remember coming out and seeing hundreds of kids with the same haircut and the same hairstyle and my body, my shorts and stuff. And <clears throat> just amazing, you know, amazing feeling, you know, tough, tough guy too. That, that kid, I remember he was really tough. I, I caught him with some clean shots to, to take most people out and he was just standing right in front of me, so. Yeah, tough guy with a lot of experience back then, obviously, for that WBC Continental Americas title. Um, and also, you know, Diaz himself, like I say, he, with that experience, he, he boxed Marco Antonio Barrera a couple of a couple of fights before boxing you. Um, you shut him out, though, over 12 rounds. A good, a good experience learning fight for yourself. Then you'd gather three more wins before boxing for the IBF Bantamweight World title against Orlando Canizales. It was a close fight through those first 10 rounds and then in round 11 I've got to say it, one of the strangest stoppages I've seen um, what happened in that fight Bones and how did the fight end up in France of all places obviously you were young at the time I think you were 18 as well, remarkable yes you know what, the, the, I don't know So I should say with my previous promoter Bobby Goodman with Master Square Garden but my dad insisted on going with Cedric Kushner. And Cedric Kushner, you know, he, he had told us, because now mind you this now, I'm a young kid. I was 17 at the time, um, 18. I mean, barely probably just turned 18. Um, and he had told us, listen, we're, we're, we're taking France, be neutral territory, neither one has been there before. And me, you know, I, me being a fighter, I just, okay, and I, and I believed it, you know. And so... We went over there to France. As soon as we got there, then the next thing you know, they're like, uh, hey, welcome to have you. Nice to have you back. You took talking to Orlando. So I was like, what? I was just like, what? You know, like, I was just very shocked, you know. But he had lied. He'd been there and fought before in that same place. And um, and so that just really messed me up. And I mean, because I was just, you know, man, I was just a kid, you know. And then next thing you know, one of the judges came by. He's from Texas. Give Orlando a hug. Hey man, I'd be great working with you and stuff, you know. I made all man in my mind, this fight you know, just trying to screw me. So my mind wasn't into the fight when it started. And then um in the very first punch of the third round, I gave her the right hand from Orlando and both sides of my jaw was broke. I fought until the eleventh round with both sides of my jaw broke, doing quite well. Whoever won the last couple of rounds won the fight and my dad stops it. And I what? Why would you stop at Well, I don't want to see you get hit anymore. Nine rounds I got hit with my jaw broke. What's one and a half more when, when, when I have been a world champion? I was that close to beating them. It just, just made me very angry. So. Yeah, because I remember at the time the, the commentary team had the fight scored evenly up until that 11th round. It was, Obviously, yeah. you had a point yeah. deducted in that 11th round as well, which, which may have you know cost you the fight, really. But you didn't seem initially angry. It 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 was kind of weird. Like I say, when when I saw the stoppage, I watched it back the other day, and I was you know I was I was I was listening to what the commentary team was saying, and I think one of the commentators actually said, "If I was Bones Adams right now, I would be furious." But you didn't seem to be angry straight away. Um, was there was there a bit of confusion initially? I, I guess. Well, my, mind you, again, um, first of all, I'm not really like a, um, you know, you might. I kind of like kind of smarting, but there's nothing I could do at the time. No matter what, it's been done. First of all, 
sit, so why would I get angry? Second of all, both sides of my jaw have been broke for nine rounds with Orlando Canizales hitting me on it. You know, you mean what I'm saying? So it's just like, you know, just kind of like in a, in a shock, you know what I mean? Like the whole situation, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Once I got back, I, I flew, it was in France. I flew with no pain medication, nothing back to the United States to get my, to get my jaw fixed. Holding my job in the airport, wrapping, wrapping up a, um, a blank airplane blanket into a roll and putting it under my chin for the flight. You know what I mean? I was just in shock. But once I got back, um, I just what, what what did my dad do to me? It's just like she made me very angry. I'm angry still today. You know, but at the point in time, there's no reason to fuss and holler. I mean, it's been done. What can what, 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 what I do? What can I do? It's like I got a little baby. I'm saying? Yeah, no, I understand. So. I understand. Um, after the, the Canizales fight, you were served with, with some more misfortune. You lost your next two fights in a row because you dislocated your shoulder in each fight. That's um, that's 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 mm-hmm. kind of crazy, really. I mean, you uh, it all just came tumbling down at that well, point. Well, yeah, it sure did. That, that, then, you know, I guess I took some time off with the book and jaw came back. I knew something was wrong with my shoulder. It was, it was against Frankie Toledo. My shoulder when I jump a rope, which is really painful and stuff. But then again, you know, I, I'm just used to it. So I just went in for the fight. And um, I was just playing with Frankie. I was just trying to get back into swinging things, beating his body down, slowing him down. And I was doing that. And then he came up and under me, being a softball on my left hand, on my arm, and it dislocated him. And I was still trying to fight with my arm out. But the referee's like, no, you can't. He, you know, he he knew he knew what had happened. He was a he was a chiropractor. So, yeah. And then my next, then then after that, the doctors were not doing anything. The doctors, oh no, it may never happen again. It's a mess, you know. So I was in there boxing uh, um, a guy that shouldn't be in the ring with me, playing with him. So okay, my shoulder feels good. It dislocates again. I just dropped. I just dropped the guy with the right hand. Uh, okay, good. The next time I went to finish him off with the left hook and. My shoulder dislocates again, and this time even worse. My, you see, the only thing was just my skin and my bone, like just like pressed against my skin. Wow, wow. Um, then they, they, they fixed me up. They they found did the surgery at University of Kentucky, and um, man, I, it's still together it's still today. So. And and like I say, you, you did return to winning ways. You put together a six-fight unbeaten streak, including a draw against Edwin Santana before running into Kevin Kelly. Even even that one, I, I beat I beat I beat I beat him, Edwin Santana. I beat. I was in his hometown. I clearly beat him. So it was just it was clear. It just it was just in his hometown decision that that was bad. My bad luck. So. Yeah, he was a good fighter, by the way, Edwin Santana. No, a tremendous fighter. But I mean, if you did, you watch that fight? Um, I don't think I've seen that one. Watch that. Watch that fight, and then tell me there was a draw. I mean, come on, man, just, it's crazy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely do that. But um, like I say, um, after that six fight unbeaten streak, that's when the the Kevin Kelly fight took place, September ninth, nineteen ninety five, at the Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Some of the names, by the way, on that card were unbelievable. I mean, you had Johnny Tapia, uh-huh. Eric Morales, Gennaro Hernandez, James Tony, Oscar De La Hoya, and last but not least, Butterbean was on the card as well. Um, but yeah, tell- Butterbean and I fought a lot on cards. Yeah, but but tell me about your your draw against Kevin Kelly, which obviously was a few fights b- before he boxed uh, b- boxed Prince Nassim. 
Right. Well, with with that one, with that one, first of all, I wasn't a 26 pounder, but they they just told me get ready for for a fight, a title fight. So so I didn't give a shit. So me and Kevin knew each other, but they didn't tell me. They just told me just get ready for somebody. Me being the person and fighter I am, I'm like okay. So I just got ready for. I got ready for a fight, you know. And then once I got here to to Vegas the week of the fight, that's when I found I was fighting Kevin. But what happened in that fight was this. Um, I'm a boxer puncher, mainly boxer. He's a he's a puncher, he's an aggressive come ahead puncher. So then I hit him with the right hand in the first round, and then he he hesitated to come in. So I thought I was winning the fight, controlling the fight because I made him fight my fight. But here's some of the comments, and I think George was on my side as well. But uh, I'm not sure. But um, I, here's the commentators that I should take it to Kevin. Why would I fight another man's fight? It's like me going in there and saying, I'm going to back up Mike Tyson. I'm going to be, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just not to, I'm going to outbox Sugar Ray Leonard. It's not, why, why would I fight their fight? That's not how you beat them. So I feel like I won that fight, but yeah, it is what it is in being a draw. So. so just to get that right, you say you, you literally found out on fight week that you were boxing Kevin Kelly and you still managed to get the draw. And in your eyes, you know, a deserved yeah. win. That's, that's yeah. incredible. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, but but I but I do gotta say this. I do gotta say this too as well. Like when I was I was boxing outside, we were fighting outside, and I, me and Kevin was in the ring. I think it was on the fourth round. I was there thinking, man, I'd hate to be watching this. <laughs> it was such a horrible fight. <laughs> I swear to God, I swear to my kids. I, was, I thought that my man, I hate to be watching this fight right now. <laughs> and you fought by that during the fight. <laughs> Yes, during the fight, during, yeah, during the fight, I swear. <laughs> and then if if we fast forward to, to, to the year 2000, March the 4th, the best night of your life, it has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you boxed, you boxed the then WBA super bantamweight world champion, Nesta Garza, a tough Mexican with a big right hand. However, it would be your time to shine. You went on to win a unanimous decision over 12 rounds at the Mandalay Bay. Talk us through it, Burns. Yes. Well, you know what? On, on that one, too, you know, uh, I was determined. I was like, listen, there's no way in hell I'm going to lose this fight. And and the thing is, uh, I like to be told you can't do it. And the, the situation with this, this is one of the situations that everyone, even people would come into my gym where I'm training and go, oh, I know that kid, man. He, he man, he, I don't know if he can beat him or not. And even my dad come in like a week and a half before the fight. Watch me sparring. He goes, oh, if you box like that, you lose it. I'm like, what? Like, it just, but I, I was very determined and working hard. And I was an 81 underdog. All right, we get to the fight. I, I weigh in, make weight. The next day, I wake up and I feel tremendous. I've never, ever, ever felt as good and strong and ready. No aches, no pains as I did that morning. So I had $980 to my name. I gave it to my friend and go I said go bet on me. I went eight to one, and I t- I called my friends and said I'm winning it. Bet the house, bet the farm. I don't care about everything you can. I'm winning this fight. And just round one, went out there, dropped him round one. And then I I was just uh, coasting along. Then he got cut in round three. So then I had to take it easy. Um, I couldn't go toward the cut because of the headbutt. If they stopped it, then it'd be a draw. So. Coasted the next year, round five, I, I dropped him again. I, I didn't think he was going to get up. And then um, then next year, you know, I was just playing with him round seven. It was one of my best rounds. I just I loved it. I was just playing and enjoying myself. And then round first of round eight, I broke my hand. 
So I had to, my right hand, so I had to just finish the third one. That's incredible. I mean, like I say, even hearing you talk about the fight and how at points of the fight you had to fight smart, you mentioned the cut, um, you know, it's it's hard for fighters to, you know, to, 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 to understand that during a fight, knowing that you've kind of got to back off a little bit because you, you don't want it to, to end up getting stopped mm-hmm. to be a technical uh, decision or whatever. In a world title yeah. fight as I well. Do no right hand. I do no, no right hands. I do no right, right hands. Until, until after the fourth round, I threw none. Nice. So nice. I went, I went around and a half without throwing my hands. I just stayed away from it. Two body shots and stuff, but I knew I stayed away from that cut. That's amazingly clever, especially in a world title fight like that. That's that's crazy. Yes. Um, what what was it like? I, I like to ask this question to to, to world, you know to world champions. What was it like to, to 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 become a world champion? How would you describe it? But your story isn't very much like others you know it's, it's been well documented you, right. you, you didn't have the easiest of, of upbringings what was it like to become a world champion from the path you started on as a youngster bones no you know just something that i felt like it was my destiny but it was amazing and it took me took me a while to really like sink in and realize it you know what i'm saying like um and just it, it just took me a while to what what I'm looking for to to adjust not that but just accept just accept it. Hey, I am the champion of the world that I always thought I would be, and I am the champion. And it just took me a while to accept that. But then once it did, it was just it was just, it was just amazing, amazing. Mind you, this too. What sucks too is that where I was able to an underdog, and he thought he was gonna come in and knock me out. He didn't bring his belt, so I didn't get to I didn't get the enjoyment of putting the belt on either in the ring. You know, so. And you mentioned but and you mentioned that you know you had nine hundred and eighty dollars to your name. you gave it to your friend and said, "Put this on me winning this fight um do you remember do you remember ever collecting the winnings and if so, did you spend it on anything oh, yeah. do you remember what you spent it on at all uh, you know i went, I went to see I didn't know how betting works, so I went to the window and I go sorry yeah cash in. I wanted to see this what just made us like he's kidding me. We we're happy to give it to you, and just was happy. And I, I know that's how betting works, but um, but he um and then I don't I don't know I just just living you know um I didn't buy nothing didn't do nothing just you know just living you know okay and. You know, like I say, you you won the fight. You made history. You made two successful defenses against Andres Fernandez and Ivan Alvarez. Um, do you want to give me a couple words on either of those fights, particularly the Alvarez one where you had your homecoming in Kentucky? Well, the, you know, well, the first one, um, I think, it was in was it, uh, Minnesota, something like that, on HBO. I went in there with my my right hand. I did, my right hand was broken and sparring. Was no money or her. Yes, Wisconsin. That's it. Yeah, I um I was looking at um I think it was like one hundred twenty five thousand or nothing. So I took the fight and I actually stopped him with my broken hand. So then I went to my next fight for the next one, and then all of a sudden training that one, I had a broken rib, and I went ahead and just fought that fight as well. I had um acupuncture done, and it got me to the fight, and I was just trying to box, just do, just just trying to get the win. I really wasn't trying to be impressive or do anything. Because I was trying to get the Pollyalla fight next, I just wanted to win. And like I say, you won. You then you then vacated the world title in order to chase that man Pollyalla for the vacant IBO world title. Well, um, well so that, 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 that situation was very very it was very difficult because they told me the second it was my mandatory fight. I had a mandatory, 
And then, and then all of a sudden, the VA did. And then, so I fought, I fought the mandatory that they gave me. And they said, no, you got to fight another one because that was, well, I just did. And then they said, well, before you fight Paula, you got to fight the mandatory. We're going to strip you. Then, but there's also a precision that one WBA champion fighting another WBA champion is oversees any mandatory defense, and they still strip me. We took him to court, right? Just, and then the judge was like, go fight this guy, then go fight Pauly. Not knowing that's not how boxing works. You know what I'm saying? So I'm looking at a $100,000 payday or $500,000 payday. I had to, so I had to give the pipe title up. And, you know, it sounds quite messy. I didn't I didn't really know the ins and outs of that. But was that a difficult decision to, to kind of make? It seems like you didn't really have much of a choice, really, given the circumstances. You know what? Very difficult. Like like I said, Nestor didn't even bring the belt into into the fight, so I didn't get really like like a world champion like most people do. Get the strap on and go. You know I mean, yeah. and then not only that though, to lose my title, not even in the fight, I had to give it up because it, it just make it just not. I you mean, it just I had so many ups and downs in my life and career, but you know, you know, you just just you know, block, catch, went, make a mess, and come back, keep going. And and like I say, the 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 Paulie Ayala fight took place for the vacant IBO world title. Um, the fight ended in a split decision loss for you. However, you felt you did enough to 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 deserve the win. I know. Um, just tell us about that night once again. Well, yeah. Yeah, you know, I tell you, um, one of those. I trained hard. I was ready for the fight. But come to fight night, to tell you the truth, like when I really, you know, I just wasn't in the mood to fight, you know, and just wasn't in the mood. And then all of a sudden, in the third round, I get caught with the left hand, which wasn't bad. It wasn't like I didn't, the ropes didn't hold me up. It just stagged me a little bit. And then, as a matter of fact, I even came back to basically win the round, but that woke me up, got me, got, got, put, put the fire, the, the fire is turned on. I was, I was going, um, I felt like I won the fight easily. I was, and for some reason they gave it to Pauly, and I have no clue. For some reason, also, never before have they. I mean, it was one good shot, and the ropes didn't hold me up. And that was it. They scored it a ten eight round for him, like he had dropped me and hurt me really bad, or the ropes hold me. And, and that is not how you score boxing. And then also another reason why they that he had won. They gave, he ran the whole last round, and I think two of the judges gave it to him. The the last round, I mean, like who run? I'm I'm clearly hitting them with body shots, chasing after them, and they gave it to him. So then again, you know, you know, thing, things happen, I guess. But you know, it wasn't had nothing to do with Polly. Me and Polly, we still get together, you know, and talk, and we're friends. As a matter of fact, I just wished him happy birthday uh, yesterday. So. Well, that's that's really cool because, like I say, you guys have got the history, and and it, it, you know, unless I'm unless I'm mistaken, I think I read somewhere that after this, after the first Ayala fight, it was like a a, a turning point for yourself, really, in terms of your performances after that. Um, were were you ever the same again after that, Bones? Never. The funny thing is, too, is like I was in Big Bear for the training camp. Johnny Tappy and I were good friends, you know. Johnny was up there. Johnny was like, um. You know, if it goes to the decision, they're going to give it to Polly. I go, no, no, no. He says, I'm telling you, they're going to give it to Polly. Watch. And I go, no way. This is my hometown. I trust in the judges. I believe you know, if I win the fight, they're going to give it to me. 
they're not going to screw me over. And then when I know that I won the fight and they took it from me, it just took everything out of me, took everything out of me, you know, and I'm like, why? That's really, the, the second I didn't try, I didn't care. I, 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 I'm like, why? Just why? You know? Um, I just, yeah, it just took, it took the life out of me, you know? What what I what I'm unsure of is obviously you know every every fighter wants to become a world champion. You became a world champion. That fight is you know is is the one that got you in the history books. The fight with Ayala. What was so kind of because it sounds like it was incredibly important. It was incredibly important for you to win that fight. But then obviously on the day of the fight, as you mentioned, you just didn't really feel up to it. And then um, you know you 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 felt you you did enough uh, enough to to win it. But um, why was that fight? Because it sounds like the way you're describing it, it sounds like that fight was bigger than fighting for a world title, unless I'm reading it wrong. Oh, oh no, it, it was. I mean, here's the thing: with that fight, me being if I you know beat Paul Ariella, I beat Paul Ariella, which he mean it's fucking tremendous champion himself, and you know I had beaten Johnny Tapia, did I mean did a lot of great things. But then the next thing you know, though, see, it was I was going to fight Eric Morales. That's the fight I wanted. I wanted to fight with Eric Morales so, so bad because I, I feel like, and I just, I just knew that, I just knew how to beat him. And that's the fight I won. And when it was just taken away from me, and plus it would be over a million dollar payday, and that was, that was like a life goal of mine, you know? And so then once, once they, they had taken that from me, it took everything out of me. I'm like, there it goes. You know what I mean? Like, I was just, just, just kind of messed me up, that's all, you know? And you know, six months later, after the after the first fight, you you did manage to get the rematch. This time, Ayala won wide unanimously. Um, I mean, one word that just jumps in my head is is frustration. I'm guessing this must have been a frustrating time. It really was. You know, I just didn't. You know, it was me. You know, I just I was really. I was just. It just messed me up tremendously. You know, like. You know, some some people come back swinging and fighting. Some people calling a hole. Some people just you know, I just want I was want to just say calling a hole. I just just say, you know, just to myself. I wasn't around nobody. Wasn't doing nothing. Didn't it just didn't care. I felt like I felt like you know, um, like again, I wanted that. I wanted that fight with Eric Morales. And then here again, here it is again. I'm fighting a guy. They put me back in a guy. They just screw me. I know that I won clearly won. So there's I mean, what's the point of boxing? You know, what's the point of even trying? I didn't really train for that too much either. So I should have canceled it, but I didn't. The second one. Yeah, yeah. And obviously after that, you boxed twice more against Guti Espedes and, and Manuel Cepeda before deciding to retire from boxing. However, the retirement was short-lived. You were back three years later. Um Bones, did you miss boxing? Is that what made you want to come back? Or were you facing like financial difficulties at the time? What made you come back? Well, you know, here's the thing is, um, at, the, at the time, I made some really good um, um, investments, and I, I was okay. And so that, that's the reason why I just disappeared. But then just I missed boxing, so I, I came back. And then once I started coming back, you know, um, that's when I, I had misfortunes in the money because the real estate over here and um, – in the United States, you know, I guess just where I had the houses and apartments and trailer parks. I mean, I, I was I was worth a lot, and it just it just went away and disappeared, you know. But the desire to fight again uh, was back. 
I really wanted to fight. It had nothing to do with money. And to tell you the truth, just the way I see things, if you want to box just for money, it's the wrong sport. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You know, if it's just for the money, definitely wrong sport. You can't, you can't do it. You can't box with just the money. You just, you just can't. You got to really want it. Yeah. So... And and like I said, you came back, you had another five fights before retiring permanently in 2010 after that loss to Edel Ruiz. At what point, Bones, did you open your your gym, like I say, which is now a bit of a hot spot in Las Vegas? Um, you know what? It's been here for years. Um, probably since around 2003. But what happened was, three, like I said, three years ago, April, which is really nice now, um, I became a uh, trainer so that that's what really opened it up back here because all the other people there's a lot of people that was back here in my gym would claim it was theirs and not knowing it's been mine the whole time you know you know what i'm saying everybody say so no one knew it was my gym because everyone kept claiming it's their gym okay <laughs> and some of the fighters yeah. that train out of that gym you've got um yeah, just name me a few of them. I know that obviously you got the likes of um, Keith Hunter in there, his, his, his older brother Michael as well, good friend of mine, um, the, the Rackman brothers yeah. as well. Who else Who else goes in that gym? I mean, pretty, pretty much just, just everybody, you know, just um, I always get surprise visits, you know, it's always great, you know, when when, when people just come through the door, you know. Uh, Floyd's even been here. Um, not the train, just check it out and watch. You know, Manny Pacquiao trains through here. Anytime Manny fights in Vegas, He's here. Um, Danny Jacobs. Uh, just pretty much it. Triple G was just here uh, probably a couple of weeks ago. Just, you know, I have everybody. Blair Cobbs as well. Oh, yeah, Blair, Blair's here. Yeah. Excellent. Blair was just here too. Excellent. All, all, good, yeah. all good people. Um, I yeah. want to ask you, Bones. Obviously, you know, like I say, you, you started... Um, on a tough path from the very beginning, went on to to become world champion, like we touched on the fights after that. Now, um, you know your your life now, being a trainer in this gym in, in in Las Vegas, a bit of a hot spot. Like I say, are you a happy man? Do you feel happy? Are you content with the way things have turned out? Yes, yes so far, yeah. You know they are what they are. You know they're going to be what they're going to be and stuff. You know, and I've been very blessed these last three four years. You know, as a trainer. Um, me learning, you know what I'm saying? Um, how, you know, my, my friend Brandon Woods, he was a trainer for 20 years, helped Kenny Adams and stuff, you know, he helped me because become this, this trainer right now because the difference between boxing and teaching people and knowing how, you know, everybody's and, and everybody isn't like you and don't think like you. And that's the main thing is, you know, I knew that I can't train, being a trainer, I couldn't train people the way I want. I fought because I, I know it's just, it's just me. You know, I fought the way I was going to. But, you know, the verbiage, the, the speaking to them, talking to them, was common sense to me isn't common sense to them. And now I'm realizing that, and, and I'm getting through to these guys, you know. Doing, doing quite well. Excellent. That's great to hear. Um, I, w- I want to ask you a couple of questions, like I say, about about your career. Just some kind of... Short, kind of quick fireish questions. I want to ask you, who was the hardest puncher you ever faced, Bones? You know what? That, that's funny. I just man, what's his name? Um, if you, if you, man, man, um, the only one I think I feel like this kid, um, he's a Filipino kid, Southpaw, who's at the LA Forum, uh, or not the Forum, but the um, the uh, Olympic Auditorium, and 
I just Pumar. It's more of Pumar, I think is his name. Um, you know, that, that, that's the only one that, like, that, that guy hit me so freaking hard. The only time I, the only time that I've been hit and cut by a punch. Wow. And the funny thing is, wow. like, even afterwards, like, people would say, oh my gosh, I've never seen people move, people move like that. And punch. But man, because I don't want to get freaking hit. That's why. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> what was his name? I'm trying to look at, I'm trying to find his name. It's not Pumar. So his best name Pumar. I think it's probably about '94. Um, yeah, I think '1994. Okay, yes, yes, Ismail Pumar. Yeah, yeah, Isagani yeah. Pumar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's him. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. And um, who was the best fighter that you ever boxed? I'm guessing you're gonna you're gonna either say Paulie or Kevin. No, Orlando Gonzalez. Okay. Okay. Orlando was definitely by far the best. Okay. Okay, and um, I was going to ask you this question. I like to ask this one as well. If 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 you could go back in time, perhaps, um, and and fight someone that you didn't get the chance to fight, who would it be? But I think you're going to say Eric Morales because you kind of said that already. <laughs> yeah, I, I, would, I would love to fight Eric. You know, Eric is type of just I just knew what he was. You know, Barrera, uh, Marquez, very sharp. They can chain, they can box, they can punch, they can do. You know, Eric was just that one style. And if you hit Eric hard, he's going to be fighting even harder. So you just put him to sleep, just touch him here, touch him here, just by. Next you know, each round goes by, each round goes by, and you have 100 points. Okay. And um, I want to ask you also, Bones, have you got any regrets about your career? If you could go back, like I said, and change anything, would you change anything? Have you got any regrets at all about the way things panned out? I mean, the only, the only regret is that even like, after that, after they robbed me from Polly, that I didn't continue boxing. It just took me. That, that's the only regret. I didn't stay there. I didn't, I didn't even try. Like, I didn't try. I didn't stay with. I should just stay with boxing trained, and I think things would have been different. Okay, and um, I want to ask you a couple of questions about. Um, again, whenever I speak to. Anybody, anyone from overseas, I like to ask this question. I'm going to put you on the spot a tiny bit here, but the UK fight fans will uh, will, will appreciate your answer to this. When I ask who your favorite UK fighter is of all time, who pops to mind? Who comes to mind? Hmm. Any era can you be a guy that's retired 100 you years ago. When I was young, Chris Eubanks, I just loved watching him fight. You know what I mean? I, there's something about his personality that you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. Like I was just, I just, I liked it. I loved the arrogance that he had. You know, and you know, I, I liked it. I mean, yeah, I loved it. That's a popular answer. A lot of people. And the funny thing is, you know, and the funny thing is, his son comes over here still. So his son trains here. Oh, excellent, excellent. So you've met, you've met Chris Senior then. I, you know, what? I, I have, but not. I, I didn't know who he was until now. I know who he is. But I, I, I didn't know. <laughs> I just, I mean, one of the things, like, I was, uh, like, thinking I'm at the WBC convention, and then I, I was just, like, staring next to the great guy next to me. And, and I was like, man, um, I was just staring at him, staring at him, staring at him. And it was, um, what's his name, um, from Africa, um, uh, Azuma Nelson. I was just like, ah, oh, Azuma. It's like, you know, I loved watching him as a kid as well. You know, I was like, oh, man, Azuma Nelson. He goes, yes. Yeah. He goes, oh, man. He was so great, you know. But with Chris Eubanks, I did not know it was him. 
I actually thought that when I saw him, I thought he was part of a commission. When I saw him, I did not know realize that was him, the way he was dressed. So I thought he was commissioned. I didn't know he was, it was Chris Eubanks. Yeah, he uh, he does dress pretty. Um, he's he, you can't not notice the clothes he likes to he likes to wear. Um, and yeah, and yeah, also something I, I'd heard Bones, but I don't think it ever happened. Um, weren't you supposed to to train Amir Khan for a while? I did train Amir Khan. I was over there for um, I was in um, England for um, three in Bolton. For three weeks, and then um, in Saudi for three weeks with him. So that was the oh, so that was for the uh, for the Billy Dib fight. Correct. Okay, okay. If, if if he would if he would listen to me, would, would, would honestly listen with that Billy Dib fight. You know what? For Amir to be as huge as star as he is, and the things he can do, he was one of the best people to ever train. He never. I mean, he asked questions about why whatever. Never did he just, he just you tell him what to do. He just does it. He tries it, and he implements it. You know the same way I asked him to fight Billy Dib. There's a certain way I had him to fight. He fought him to the T, and it went exactly the amount of rounds it. I said it would go if he fought this way. Um, if he if he if he had me at a regular basis, if he can come over here, whatever else, I think that he his career could last a lot longer than and possibly win another title. Yeah, because obviously that was his last fight. Is it? Is was it just a temporary thing? Is it? Is it bro- broken off now between between you both, or do you see something happening in the future? Where's it been? Left you know, um, you know, we, we we still talk, and but the situation. I think that he is wanting to finish his career up in England. You know what I'm saying? In Bolton, where he lives. You know what I'm saying for the training, and um, I'm kind of stuck here because the the people that I have now. You know, um, I, I just like Keith Hunter. He's one fight away from a world title fight. I got Diego Magdaleno, one title, one fight away from a title fight. I got, you know, these other up-and-coming guys that's ready to go. I got Samuel Vargas that is getting ready to he's getting ready to fight um, uh, Virgil Ortiz, you know. And um, I got all these fighters coming up, and then I just can't just up and go and leave these guys for for two months. You know, and but I think he's trying to finish his career over there. So, by the way, just I wasn't even going to ask this, but you just reminded me there. Um, Keith Hunter's last fight, what a performance! I was so impressed. Obviously, you know he boxed he boxed um, Rachmanov again. You know that the pair have, have have got history, but that performance there, unbelievable. When he hurt his arm, I was just so proud of him because I thought when he had one arm, he boxed better than when he had two. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He sure did because he was forced to. See, he, he remember he. I was just talking today. His left hand is way better than his right, stronger, better. For, but he just doesn't use it, so he was forced to use it, and that's what happens. We, you know, when he's forced to do something, but that's why it's such a, he had such a good performance because he was forced to use that left hand. And it, it was tremendous. It really was at the Samstown Hotel yeah. and Gambling Hall. And um, just the, the last real question for you bones um if you've got a message that you want to send out to the uk boxing fans in general in general and obviously the guys that support you from this side of the pond what's your message to those guys that support you and obviously support the fighters that you're working with you know what uh, you know when i was over there i had never i loved it I, I would love to go back i love how everyone treats me i love how everyone is over there you know I, and 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 
I just want to say thank you to everyone over there as well because I didn't realize that I was as popular as a you mean I, yes you mean I'm just like you know a fighter you know um, but I have a great great um, support over there and I'm so happy and I wish I would have had the opportunity to fight over there as well um, but you know it is what it is but hopefully I'll be over there with the fighters someday and and um, and when. We'd love to have you back over here, believe me, my friend. But listen, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and going over your entire career. Thank you so much for your time. God bless you, and I hope that we can speak again sometime. Thank you so much. God bless everyone. I love you guys. Thank you for supporting. Keep supporting me, please. Excellent. All done, Bones. Thank you for that. Um, That was a real pleasure, like I say. It really was, honestly. And I appreciate... Um, Hassim Jr. for setting it up he does quite a few bits with me Hassim every week we basically do little bits I I was going to ask you something but I didn't really want to ask it um, during the interview obviously you know I heard something about how you'd I think maybe ran into some um, legal troubles or whatever but I I thought we probably just steer clear of that I didn't really want to go into that I didn't know if you'd be comfortable talking about that it is what it is. Then again, just, just, my, just my luck, whatever else. What happened with this? A guy that I know very good, this is one of my best friends. He used to live with me. You know, so he was a confidential informant for the FBI. I knew he was a confidential informant for the FBI. Mm-hmm. He told me. I, I heard the conversation. I know he was. I know he was. So when I retired from boxing, he was like, um, hey, man, hey, I need help over here in the limousine business. Will you help me? So, and I'm like, sure. So I was helping out with the limousine business. I knew everything that was going on. What I didn't know, and I, honestly, I, I never drove a limousine. I never drove a limousine. Never did. All this stuff that they, they accused me of, they, they got me for credit card fraud. I didn't even see a credit card. They got me for driving a limousine. They got me for uh, some prostitution in the limousine, drugs in the limousine. I didn't even drive. Um, but what he did was he took himself out and put me in that situation. Wow. And therefore, since I had a name and popper, that's that's why yeah. There's nothing I can there's nothing I could do because I knew what was going on. I knew what was going on, and then my attorney was all oh, just plead guilty to not because I, listen, I paid this guy an attorney a lot of money. It's supposed to be another friend of mine. He's gonna plead guilty. It's no big deal. He's gonna be a step on arrest. They're gonna do nothing, no jail time, and I ended up going to prison, not realizing I'm a felon for the rest of my life now. Just the, the difficulties that for for me to get, you know, it's just trouble, man. Wow. And the thing is, too, I, I asked my my attorney, "Where's the evidence? Where's the evidence?" They all they got tons and thousands of pages, but he never showed it to me. He just told me to take that deal because I think he just wanted to get the money the easy way he could and not work for it. Wow, wow, that's incredible. That's that's incredible. Um, that's yeah, that's that's terrible. That's that's extremely terrible. When was that? 2015, right? Well, I went to prison in 2015, yeah. Okay. And how long was you away for, Bones? Um, just six months. Okay. But they made it a long time when you have, like, they tell you when to eat, when to, when to step, when to shit, when to stand up, when to, I mean, just, just everything. How, what to wear, when to wear it. I mean, I, I mean, what sucks too is like, just, you know, the horror deal sucks, but it is what it is, you know. So, All right, well, hopefully that's buried and way behind you now. Um, yes. Do you want me to put that in there or not? 
No, it's like, I don't. I don't care because you know, I have nothing to hide. Yeah. You know I mean so I have nothing to hide. Because the FBI did what they want to do. That's like one of these things too. You know, I didn't know until then. Like the FBI coming and gets you right. There's two of them, and they're interrogating you. Well, there's no camera. He's got one FBI agent asking questions, one writing down what supposedly was said. But I got another, I read, I didn't say this. But who are they going to believe? The FBI agent or some guy that's supposed to be a criminal? Yeah, exactly. You know, man, I was like, man, FBI, they, they do what they want to do, how they want to do it. They, I mean, they just, they just, man. And, oh, well, just stay clear of them. Absolutely. But yeah, I can, I can put that in if you don't mind me putting it in. People will be interested. <laughs> But that's fine because, man, listen, like I said, all this stuff that they put, they think I'm an international wire fraud. What it was was this for the job that I did, the owner would, would, would give us checks to cash, and then we have to give him back. I don't care. And if it was like a thousand, just say a thousand and twenty two cents or whatever else, I'll give him a thousand dollars. The next thing you know, after like two of those, I kept the twenty two cents just because I was changed. Who cares? Then. They was asking, hey, no, we, we need the 22 cents soon. I'm like, what? Mm. Taking everything. But they, so, they, so they got me for international wire fraud for that, for that. They got me for, like, credit card fraud because American Express, they took, like, $5 million. I, had, I didn't even see a credit I'd never seen a credit card what I did. Not even looked at a credit card. Then they got me for driving. And I, mean, I, don't, I never for drove. I never drove. But they got me for all these things to plead guilty to that I did, that I did not do. Mm. I'm like, so I just kind of like, I don't know, I just, Hope, story of my life. You, you know? Surely you don't still speak to that guy anymore. I'm hoping not. <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a, that's a good no. start right there. <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. He, even like we were, we were close to his uh, ex-wife and stuff. And then even afterwards, she was like, hey, what about Bones? And she, because she told us, she said, she said, hey, what about Bones? He, he, he's a big boy. He got himself into the mess. Mm. Lying his fucking ass off. He fucking did it. Oh, like I said, I'm sorry to hear that, man. That's, that's absolutely crazy. You didn't deserve that, obviously. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Apparently, I did because I ended up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bones. Well, like I say, man, I really appreciate your time, and um, yeah, we, we've gone for everything now. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll edit this, put it together, and I'll send you a link when it's done. All right, my brother. That's fine. Thank you, brother. Okay. God bless you. Call man. me anytime you get my number. Thank you. All I right. will do. Take care. Okay, and this wraps up episode two hundred and thirty-six of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Hassim Reckman Jr. has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you also to Hassim for helping get this week's guest on the show. And of course, a massive thank you to our guest, our, our sole guest, the former WBA Super Bantamweight World Champion, Bones Adams. Bones was fine with me not chopping off that little conversation we had after the official interview had ended there so that's a little exclusive insight there for our listeners what a character bones adams is he's been through it all really in life and for him to achieve a world title and now have a thriving gym in las vegas a hotbed of a gym puts a smile on my face he is a true character one of boxing's true characters Um, But like I say, thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. Remember to leave us a review on iTunes if you get the time. Remember to tell a friend to tell a friend about us. Remember to stay safe above all else. And we shall see you all again next week with another former world champion as a guest. Until then, take care.